0: Joe Biden is appointing more judges to the federal bench, and you knew they would be bad. But did you ever think they would be this bad?
1: Judge on the far end, Uh, tell, tell me what Article 5 of the Constitution does.
0: Article 5 is not coming to mind at the moment.
1: Okay, how about Article 2?
0: Neither is Article Two. Okay.
1: Do you know what purposivism is?
0: Um, in my twelve years as an assistant attorney general, huh? and my nine years serving as a judge, I was not faced with that precise question, Senator Kennedy was not grilling these judicial nominees on some arcane, obscure aspects of federal law. He was asking them about some of the most basic provisions of the fundamental American legal document. This wasn't, what does US Code Section 27, Line 52, it was, what's Article 5 of the Constitution do? They didn't know. And conservatives are now shocked and appalled, but we should not be. These libs don't need to know. These judge nominees don't need to know. Biden and his minions did not nominate these judges because they're experts on the Constitution. He didn't nominate them because they love the Constitution. They they keep a pocket Constitution on them every day and they want to do everything they can to uphold it. It's the opposite. Biden nominated these judges to continue the liberal project of upending our entire political order. If anything, their blithe ignorance of the Constitution is likely a mark in their favor when you look at it from the perspective of the people who are putting them up for these jobs. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Masta Kiahi. Who is reacting to that attack on Dave Chappelle where those transgender protesters were throwing eggs at him? Master Kiahi says, privilege is being able to throw eggs in this economy. So true. Privilege is being able even to eat eggs. Forget about wasting eggs. Even to just buy a dozen eggs, that's a real privilege. Have you, have you heard what the prices are for eggs lately? Have you talked to your friends around the country? Well, when you do want to talk to your friends around the country, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, head on over to puretalk.com. Use promo code Knowles. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then check out Pure Talk. Pure Talk is the antidote to woke wireless companies. It is proudly veteran-owned, employs a U.S.-based customer service team, and absolutely refuses to spend money on fake news networks. Not to mention, Pure Talk service is fantastic. They are one of the largest networks in the country. You can get blazing fast data, talk, and text for as low as 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, ATT, or T-Mobile. Switch over to PureTalk in as little as 10 minutes while keeping your phone and your phone number. Your first month is guaranteed risk-free. Try it. If you're not completely happy with the service, you will get your money back. The service is as good as whatever cell phone company you're using right now. I can tell you that. It is much less expensive. It's run by people who don't hate your guts, who actually like you. Customer service in America, super easy. These guys are great. Make it a goal this year to support companies that support you. Go to puretalk.com. Enter promo code Knowles. Save 50% on your first month. puretalk.com. Promo code Knowles. PureTalk is simply smarter wireless. Speaking of unimpressive Biden representatives, Hunter Biden, you know, has dipped his toe into the art world Hunter Biden's previous career was selling his father's influence in the American government to make oodles and oodles of money in Ukraine and China and from all sorts of nefarious and corrupt people who wanted to buy more influence in the American government. Hunter, I think, referred to this in one of those disclosures that came out from the laptop or some other conversation as a hit, that the fact that he makes basically a bajillion dollars a year. So that's how he previously made his money. But then when it all came to light, uh, it was much harder for Hunter Biden to continue the Biden family corruption. So he said, okay, the way I'm gonna start making money now is by painting. Hunter Biden, I don't think, had ever picked up a paintbrush in his life until about five minutes ago. And his painting is just a bunch of ridiculous doodles on a canvas that we were then told could sell for half a million dollars each. This, another example, obviously, of corruption. Nobody thinks that Hunter Biden's stupid doodles are high art. Nobody thinks they're worth $50, much less $500,000. But the art dealer selling Hunter Biden's work Is insisting, no, this is not just corruption. This is not just a way for people to to pass half a million dollars into the Biden family without having to go through political disclosures. This is not just another way to buy influence with the Bidens. No, no, Hunter Biden's a great artist. Hunter's dealer, George Berge, the owner of the eponymous art gallery in New York, praised Hunter Biden's artwork, said, Hunter Biden will become one of the most consequential artists in this century because the world needs his art now more than ever. In a world that beats us down, we need art in our lives that reminds of the unrelenting divinity within each of us. And if you'll excuse me, I will get right back to the show. I just need to... (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Sorry. Okay. Um, Now that I've uh, emptied out my, my gut and stomach here from that absolutely nauseating and disingenuous praise of Hunter Biden. Now we can go on with the show. Why is he saying this? Well, he, he wants to have a straight face. He wants to say, no, this isn't corrupt at all. This isn't ridiculous. Hunter's, Hunter's doodles deserve half a million bucks. Pay up. Let's go. Nothing wrong about this. But I think the other reason that the, the art dealer and, and Hunter and the whole Biden family can get away with this is we don't have any power to stop it. I read a statement like that, I I see judicial nominees put up who don't know the very first thing about the Constitution. And I think, man, they're just rubbing our faces in it now, aren't they? They They're just lording their power over us. And they're saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna pack the court full of people who have never looked at the law ever. A bunch of just completely ignorant people who will do what we want them to do. And you can't do anything about it. Oh, Oh, you don't like that we've had some corrupt practices? Okay. Well, now the way we're going to make money is by selling my, my derelict son's scribbles on a canvas. What are you? No, no, he's a great artist. That guy, he's basically Michelangelo. What are you going to do about it, conservatives? Nothing. That's what they're going to do. Speaking of art and speaking of one way conservatives have pushed back in the culture. We played yesterday, James O'Keefe's excellent expose of an executive at Pfizer confiding in someone that he he thought he was on a romantic date with, that don't tell the public, but Pfizer is secretly performing gain-of-function research to beef up viruses to work on on new pharmaceuticals. And the date says, what? What? Pfizer's working on gain-of-function research? And the exec says, yeah, I mean, we don't tell the public that, but we are working on that. And then- just yesterday, James O'Keefe releases the footage of when he walks out like Chris Hansen comes in, sits down. And he says, "Hey, hey, I think I'm gonna have a seat over here. What are? You, do you work for Pfizer? Did you? We've got you on camera admitting to." And
1: things go awry. Hey there, is this seat taken? You work for Pfizer. My question for you is, why does Pfizer want to hide from the public? the fact oh that they're God. mutating the COVID v- viruses. Is this real life? You're I'm pushing. literally a yeah. liar. What, I was what, trying to impress a person on a date by position? lying. Please,
0: this is please, absurd. Please don't
1: touch me. Well, this is not, why no. the way, why don't, are you doing don't this? tell it's anybody. He was just working in a company to literally help yeah. yeah. the public. You <laughs> up. You really did Please read the cost. as soon as possible. really, very unsafe. Can you please unlock you, no, no, don't let them leave. Please unlock the door. Give him, why we'll is going hard here. Please please unlock Please unlock the door. Please unlock the door. Please unlock the door. People lock the door. We're trying to get unlock the door. Unlock the door.
0: That is the the director of worldwide R&D. Uh, specifically on mRNA strategic planning. That, th- those are the people who are behind the, the Fauci ouchie that, that has now gone into the arms of five and a half billion people worldwide. This lunatic who's out on, on what he thinks is this date, and then he, he just loses and starts getting violent, running around. Oh my gosh, is this real life? Oh my gosh. And then what's his excuse? This is my favorite part. The minute James O'Keefe says, "Hey, we just got you on camera admitting that Pfizer's doing gain-of-function research," he goes, "I'm I'm a liar." That's his excuse. I'm a liar. I was lying. And that's always what these guys do. This was just a modern-day version of "To Catch a Predator," the Chris Hansen show that would get pedophiles. This is just that. Hey, why don't you? Why don't you? What are you doing here? Why don't you have a seat over there? What are you doing here? And instantly, what happens? All the time, the guys on the "To Catch a Predator" show. Who want to sleep with underage girls? They say, Oh, I wasn't doing anything. No, I didn't want, I didn't come here to have sex. I didn't, no, not at all. I was just, I was just lying in the chat. Oh, no, all those logs you have of me talking to this girl about how I was going to come over and drive 12 hours and sleep with, I was just lying. It's the same excuse from the Pfizer exec. No, I was just lying. Well, the problem with that excuse is if you are a liar, if your best defense is that you are a liar, then obviously I can't believe you now. And it's not just this Pfizer exec. This was Fauci's excuse. Do you remember Fauci initially said when COVID broke out and the liberals at that time were downplaying it before they started overplaying it, Fauci said, there's no reason to wear a mask. There is no reason when the virus is spreading around for you to wear a mask out in public. Do not wear a mask. And then five seconds later, he says, you have to wear a mask everywhere all the time. Wear like three of them. What changed? Fauci admitted how he changed his mind. or or changed his rhetoric because he didn't change his mind. He said, oh yeah, when I told you you didn't need to wear a mask, I thought there'd be a shortage and I wanted to save them for my friends. But then I found out there wasn't a shortage, so I told you to wear them. So Fauci's excuse was the same excuse as the Pfizer exec, was the same excuse as the pedos on To Catch a Predator. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. Don't believe anything we say. Okay. All right, guys. (laughs) If that's what you want, I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I have no doubt that you guys are big liars. Speaking of virality and and social media, big news. I meant to get to it yesterday. We didn't have time. President Kofefe, El Donaldo himself is back on Facebook. Meta, which is the parent company now for Facebook and Instagram and all the rest of it, they've announced Quote, we are bringing Mr. Trump back in the coming weeks with certain guardrails applicable to any public figures suspended for certain violations during times of civil unrest. The penalties and potential restrictions that we've put in place are a deterrent. And uh, Trump could face another suspension if he keeps breaking the rules. Why are they letting Trump back? It's been years at this point. It's been two years. Why does he get to come back now? Elon put him back on Twitter even though Trump isn't using his Twitter yet, probably because he has contractual obligations with Truth Social. But Elon put him back on, so maybe that puts a little pressure on Facebook. Trump is now a declared candidate for the presidency. I think that probably puts a little pressure on Facebook. But but probably the biggest factor here is that the January 6th narrative fell apart. The reason that Trump was banned from social media, the reason that these oligarchs in Silicon Valley who work with but not totally through the government. They're this awful, blobby, public private kind of partnership that does the bidding of the government, the government's dirty work that they can't do for itself, but also is completely unaccountable to the people. The whole argument for banning Trump was that this guy led a violent insurrection, a, a near coup d'etat on January 6th. And that didn't happen. We know because we've had two years of investigations into this. They told us Trump incited the insurrection. Well, we have the video. Trump says, be peaceful, be peaceful, don't be violent, go home. Okay, there goes that one. Well, nevertheless, the, the, the followers of Donald Trump, they were, they were so violent, they killed people. They killed police officers. That's not true. The only person who was killed in political violence on January 6th was Ashley Babbitt. She was a Trump supporter in the Capitol, shot by a trigger-happy cop. What about Officer Brian Sicknick? Officer Brian Sicknick died of natural causes after the January 6th riot. He did not die in any violence on January 6th, nor did any other cop. Well, they nevertheless, even if they didn't kill anybody, even if they weren't particularly violent, even if Donald Trump never incited anything, (laughs) they, they were still leading an insurrection. Okay, then how come none of them were charged with insurrection? How come they were charged with trespassing? I mean, the, the prosecutors threw the book at these people. They threw them in solitary confinement for long periods of time. But they couldn't, they couldn't get a charge of insurrection because it didn't happen. So the whole thing just, it just fell apart. The whole thing fell apart. So now they let Trump back on. I think there is one ulterior motive here beyond that, that the, the Libs couldn't quite withstand the pressure Of of still with a straight face, saying that Trump couldn't be on Facebook. I think the other ulterior motive is the libs want a bloody GOP primary. And the thinking back when they were trying to keep uh, Trump off the ballot in certain places, back when they were trying to throw Trump in prison, I guess they're still trying to do that. Back when they were keeping him totally ostracized from social media, the the prevailing view was that Donald Trump, if he ran for president in twenty twenty four, would clear the Republican field, so there would be no challengers. He would be the nominee automatically. And so the libs were throwing everything they had at him. That no longer appears to be the case. Ron DeSantis, among others, seems to be building a pretty strong campaign for president. It's still Trump's race to lose. Trump is still way up in the polls. But DeSantis is posing a real challenge to Trump right now. Other people are saying they'll run too. Mike Pence is saying he's very interested in running. Nikki Haley says she's very interested in running. Tim Scott says he's very interested in running. So it just No matter what you think of those people or Trump, Trump did not clear the field. And so now the Lib strategy has to switch. And they're going to want a more bloody GOP primary, which means they're probably going to be much more interested in allowing Donald Trump to be on platforms such as Facebook. In fact, you saw a similar principle just a couple of days ago with with the Azov Battalion in Ukraine. For years, the Azov Battalion, which is filled with neo-Nazis in Ukraine, was banned from Facebook. Why? Because it's filled with neo-Nazis. But now, Facebook is on the side of Ukraine fighting against Russia. And so the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and the Azov Battalion is one of the most powerful regiments in the Ukrainian military. And so Facebook says, okay, never mind. They're not Nazis anymore. Or even if they are, they're, they're like the good Nazis. Okay, we're, we're gonna let them back on Facebook. Why? So that they can attack Russia. Almost certainly, there's a similar principle operating here with the social media companies allowing Trump back on. But we're not we're not quite there yet. We're not, we're not at a 2024 nominee yet. We're not even totally into the primary yet. First, what has to be decided is who's going to lead the Republican Party, meaning the party apparatus, meaning the RNC, the National Committee. There's a fight right now between Ronna McDaniel, who is has run it for about a dozen years now, and Harmeet Dillon. Harmeet Dillon has been on the show. I don't think Ronna, I think we invited Ronna on, but Ronna hasn't, hasn't come on yet. Uh, Harmeet Dillon is challenging Ronna, saying enough's enough, Rana's been there long enough. Uh, now I'm going to take over the RNC. Trump has endorsed McDaniel. Now, finally, Ron DeSantis has weighed in as another rising star in the GOP. He endorses Hermit Dillon. Right now, the RNC is meeting in Dana Point, California. And there are some questions of who should lead the RNC and whether it should be Rana for a fourth term or go a different direction with Harmeet Dillon. What are your thoughts on this? Well, we've had three substandard election cycles in a row, 18, 20, and 22. And I would say of all three of those, 22 was probably the worst, given the, the political environment of a very unpopular president and Biden huge majorities of the people think the country's going in the wrong direction. That is an environment that's tailor-made to make big gains in the House and the Senate and State House, State Houses all across the country. And yet that didn't happen. And in fact, we even lost ground in the U.S. Senate. And so, you know, I think we need uh, a change. I think we need to get some new blood in the RNC. Uh, I like what Harmeet Dillon has said about getting the RNC out of D.C. Why would you want to have your headquarters in the most Democrat city in America? It's more Democrat than San Francisco is. Notice Ron DeSantis, he's a very adept politician. He's he's asked about the RNC, where do you stand on the race? And he gives something of an answer. He says, well, Rana's not getting it done. We need fresh blood. And I like Harmeet Dillon's idea about getting the committee out of D.C., so it's not, it's not quite, it's not a full, explicit endorsement of Harmeet Dillon, But practically speaking, it is. And why is it? I suspect, well, one, it might be just that Ron DeSantis sincerely believes that all of the things that he's saying. But in politics, there's always another layer too. And I think the other layer here is, Ronda McDaniel is a Trump person. Ron McDaniel is very closely tied to Trump, Ran the RNC during Trump's presidency, Trump has endorsed Ronda McDaniel. And so what does Ron DeSantis get if he endorses Ronda McDaniel? Nothing. The, the big dog in the fight has already endorsed her. So, so that puts DeSantis in a position of being number two. What does Ron DeSantis get if he endorses Harmeet Dillon and Harmeet Dillon wins? Now, not only does Ron DeSantis have a, a friend running the national committee, but Ron DeSantis has also racked up a W against Trump which has been the narrative that's taken place since the midterms. The narrative since the midterms is Trump, he just couldn't pull us over the finish line. Trump, he had an unimpressive performance. I'm not saying this is a fair assessment. I'm just telling you this is the narrative that has taken hold. And then when you compare that to the incredible success in Florida, undeniable success, DeSantis and the Republicans in Florida did a great job turning out the vote and getting themselves elected and reelected. That is being considered a W for DeSantis and an L for for Trump. And so if Harmeet Dillon can beat and McDaniel in the RNC leadership race, that's going to look like another victory for DeSantis over President Trump. Is this going to matter for the nomination? Maybe not, but, but the race to the nomination is every single day. And if you win enough days, you win the nomination. That fight picking up right now. But we're not fighting each other. We are not ultimately fighting each other. Some people prefer Trump. Some people prefer DeSantis. Some people prefer Ted Cruz. Some people prefer Nikki Haley. Some, we're not, but ultimately, we're fighting the libs. Ultimately, we conservatives have a lot more that unite, that unites us than we have that divides us especially when you look at how crazy the libs have gotten. And I sometimes forget it because increasingly I spend my time around conservatives. I come from a liberal place. I've lived in liberal cities. I've got liberal friends going back many, many years. But I do spend a lot of time with conservatives. I sometimes forget how crazy things get. And then I read the Associated Press trying to ban the word the. Before I get to that, this week I told you how we all got one step closer to the crunch in our breakfast cereal coming from bugs not whole grains. The EU officially enacted a statute allowing food producers to incorporate cricket powder into its flour-based products. Not because it tastes better, but because the political elites have deemed that eating zebugs bugs is better for the environment. So right down to the food you eat, the world wants to make you woke, but not Dennis Prager. Dennis wants to make you wise. And the founder of PragerU is going to do just that with a never-before-seen series exclusively on Daily Wire Plus called The Master's Program with Dennis Prager. What the master's program aims to do is take 40 years of wisdom and experience from one of the most influential conservative thinkers in America today and distill it all down to its essence. He covers topics such as the consequences of secularism, such as is human nature basically good. It is as thought-provoking as it is illuminating. The first two episodes of PragerU master's program are available to stream right now exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. So head on over to dailywireplus.com, become a member and watch PragerU master's program and more. That is dailywireplus.com today. The word the is canceled, according to the Associated Press. The AP, which through its style book that sets the tone for a lot of journalism and public writing, has become more and more woke in recent years. The AP says, quote, we recommend avoiding general and often dehumanizing the labels such as the poor, the mentally ill, the French, the disabled, the college educated. Instead, use wording such as people with mental illnesses. And use these descriptions only when clearly relevant. As a style point, this is bad writing style. Because a general rule in writing is it is better to use fewer words than more words. Cut out unnecessary words, close up space, and generally speaking, your prose will improve. Political correctness tells you to use lots of extra needless words uh, to, to use euphemisms instead of clear language and confuse everybody. But clear writing says be succinct, be concise, be precise. The AP also doesn't follow its own advice. Ezra Levant over at The Rebel pointed out that the AP has regularly referred to the unvaccinated, Probably because it wants to dehumanize the the unvaccinated, but you're not allowed to use those labels for anybody else. And everyone's covering this as an example of political correctness run amok, which in part it is, but there is something deeper going on here behind the move to take away these group categories: the poor, the disabled, the college-educated. And and it's it's something that infects. It's a a mind virus that has infected the left particularly, but it has infected the right as well, which is that this is a consequence of liberalism. This is an attack on group identity per se. This is a logical extreme of the liberal idea that we are all fundamentally individuals, not members of a group. I know that a lot of conservatives and self-described conservatives, particularly of the last 50 years, have grounded their political views in individualism, but that is not a conservative idea. That is a liberal idea. You could say, well, it's more of a classical liberal idea. Uh, Some people would say it's actually much more of a modern liberal idea. The classical Enlightenment liberals who talk about the sovereignty of the individual, or the modern progressive liberals who talk about how how we have ownership of our body, and if we want to chop off our body parts, that's our right, because we're individuals. We're, we can't be defined by our social mores or our laws or our customs or even our families. No, by golly, we're, we can't be defined even by our biological sex. No, Surrey, we're individuals. Well, the, all that obsession with individualism—that is a lib thing. The conservatives believe with the ancients, with Aristotle, with Christianity, with the greatest thinkers of all time, that man is not fundamentally individual, but man is a social animal. Man is a political animal, that we find our identity in society with other people, that we find our our identity in our families, in our communities, in our duties and our obligations and our role in the world. The French the college educated the disabled suggests that people can be categorized in groups obviously that's true obviously there are distinctions between groups of all types of groups the liberals don't want to admit that they don't want to admit that there are, that there are such things as group characteristics group behaviors group dynamics but obviously There are, and you see it reflected. I mean, this is the entire point of my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now, number one national bestseller. Where is it, guys? Get on the stick. Okay, fine. Good grief. We got producers sleeping over here today. This is the whole point of my book, Speechless, is that the way that the libs win the culture most effectively and most consistently is not by passing big laws and not by having big flamboyant campaigns. It's by subtly changing our language to make us accept their incorrect premises before we even begin a debate. So if we say, okay, we're not going to use the "the" anymore to refer to people, we are accepting the premise that people are fundamentally individuals, that groups have no uh, shared characteristics, that that groups are not a, a, a real and politically illuminating category. But of course, that is not the case. Speaking of journalism, great story right now out of BuzzFeed that has, has really proven old Stradamus more and more correct every day this week, which is that we, we started off talking about how AI passed a business school test, business school exam. And that was the big headline. An AI chatbot passed a Wharton business school exam. Wharton is probably the best business school in the country. And I said, you know, it's not just going to be business school. You're going to see this for lawyers. You're going to see this for doctors. What happened? That the very next day. Headline, the AI chatbot passes or gets very close to passing bar exams and medical licensing exams. Okay, and I said, the takeaway from this is that the elites are going to tell you that automation and artificial intelligence and technology, that's going to uh, get rid of lots of jobs. It's going to render whole segments of the population useless. The way that someone like Yuval Harari and, and others associated with the World Economic Forum describe this is they'll say, oh, these useless people these blue collar workers, these unskilled workers, we're just going to apply them with drugs and video games, make them go away because technology is going to make them irrelevant. And I said, that's not true. In some limited cases, that's, that might be true. But the real people that technology will render jobless, it's actually white collar workers. It's actually managers who would go to business school. It's actually accountants. It's actually some lawyers, some doctors for, for certain basic programs. And now we're finding out that the people who need to go learn to code or go get another job, it's going to be journalists because BuzzFeed has just announced that it will start using artificial intelligence to create content. Not just to curate its page and algorithms, but to actually to create the articles that you like uh, look at on BuzzFeed. Our industry will expand beyond AI-powered curation feeds to AI-powered creation content. AI opens up a new era of creativity where creative humans like us play a key role, providing the ideas, cultural currency, inspired prompts, IP, and formats that come to life using the newest technologies. The, The coming industrial revolution, we sometimes hear this from the World Economic Forum types, Klaus Schwab. He'll say, we are in the fourth industrial revolution. And this is supposed to make all of us you know, unskilled, useless people—the uh, the regular the hoi polloi who don't prance around the Alps at Davos—this is going to make us all irrelevant. If there is a coming uh, industrial revolution that throws people out, it's going to affect the white-collar people, and they're going to have to learn to code or or learn something else. We have now arrived at my absolute favorite time of the week, that is The Mailbag, sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter code NOLS, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get 50% off your first month. Take it away. Nostradamus, my knowledgeable lord of all things conservative, Italian, and or cigar-related, I have a question about role models. Does the type of person people look up to matter even if they speak on subjects like traditional masculinity? One example I thought of was Andrew Tate and Jordan B. Peterson. Both speak up for men, relationships, and mentality. However, Tate is surrounded by a number of women, materialism, and is more aggressive, while Peterson is a family man, psychologist, and is very careful in his delivery. So as the type of person that people look up to matter, even if they preach positive messages? I'd love to hear your stance on this. Now I'm going to put speechless, controlling words, controlling minds in my shopping cart. I hope I get a bell. Are we gonna get a bell? Hello, hello everybody. There we go, okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Great question. Yes, role models matter. Role models matter because human culture comes from imitation. This is one of those rare points on which the ancients and the moderns, the philosophers and the scientists, the wise people and the atheists all agree. See what I did there? Plato, René Girard, Richard Dawkins all agree human culture comes from imitation, a process called mimesis. The little baby learns to smile because the little baby is feeding and looks up at mommy, and mommy looks down at the baby, and mommy smiles, and then the little baby mimics that smile. This is how we learn to speak. This is how we learn to think. This is how we are educated and learn to behave. This is how we develop personalities as we see people, see things that we admire, and we try to imitate parts of that. And ultimately, if we want to have a good, holy, virtuous life, we want to imitate the highest good, goodness himself. Christianity sees this not even in only an abstract God far away from time and space, but in the incarnation. And so Christians strive to imitate Christ. Human beings are not just disembodied heads floating around in the ether. Human beings are souls and bodies, hylomorphic beings moving around in time and space, uh, real beings. And so we, we, it, it's not enough to just listen to a little snippet and say, oh, that Andrew Tate fellow, He said something that was almost broadly true about this one narrow topic. No, when we have role models, those are models to imitate. And we imitate people, not just in certain ideas that they espouse, but in the way that they live their lives. Next question.
1: Good morning, Michael Knowles. My name is Nicholas. I just wanted to see if this terminology correlated with your perception as well. It seems like the center left uh, and the center right uh, are distinguishable by the central left having much more of a grounded foundation in their ideology and certainly the the way that their vote, their voting habits, because even if they're presented with a strong argument on the right, they're much more likely, much more often to remain stable in their central leftist uh, perspectives. A central rightist perspective, if they're given in their interpretation a strong argument from the left uh, a way that they immediately wouldn't be able to ideologically combat at the time they're much more easily swayed to then politically vote on the left rather than remaining stable in their right ideology i just want to see if you concurred thank you so very much have a good morning
0: Really good question. I'll try to break it down this way. We think of politics as left versus right. But you raise the, the issue of these people in the center, the center left and the center right. And then we just tend to put those people in the categories of either left or either right. That's why I refer to them as center left or center right. But the people who are center left or center right, I suspect, have much more in common with one another certainly than they would with people on the right, the conservatives, and perhaps even a little bit more in common than they would with people on the left. Though the center left and the center right are closer to the left than either is to the right. You can think of the people on the right as the conservatives. You can think of the people in the center, center left and center right, as the liberals. And I think you can think of the people on the left as some shade of commie. Marxists or some some more radical leftist ideology. The commies and the liberals share a lot because communism, Marxism, all those shades of socialism come out of liberalism. So they've got a, a fair bit in common. The conservatives, the real conservatives, reject not only communism but liberalism. Not just in certain policies, but they actually reject the premises of liberalism. They reject some of the high-flying nonsense that comes out of the Enlightenment. They say, no, actually, society is not fundamentally secular. There's no such thing as a neutral ground. Man is not fundamentally an individual. Tradition is an important thing. We shouldn't rely on our unfettered reason. We shouldn't recreate the world anew. We don't want to constantly have revolutions. Uh, so that, that's kind of a different, that's a different thing the center left is always going to be more influenced by the left than the center right is by the right. And the center right is always going to be more influenced by, this, by even the center left than they are by the right. The outliers, I suspect, in all of this are the conservatives. We talk about how the conservatives are the silent majority of Americans. I don't know that that's the case. I do think that a lot of people do have common sense. That's something really working for the conservatives. And I do think that the actual commies and pinkos are a relatively fringe margin. The Antifa weirdos who chop off their body parts and dye their hair all crazy colors. That is fringe. There's more conservatives than that group. But because that group has a lot in common, even with the liberals, and because the the center right is actually part of the liberals, overall, they can wield a ton of influence on society. That is why they squish. Because the squishes share the fundamental principles of the left, not of the right. We call them center-right because they agree with us on some issues. But they're, at the foundational level, we're pretty far apart. Next question. Hey Michael, I've got a question about family planning. So my husband and I have three small children and we're really not ready now or possibly ever to have a fourth. Um, just financially speaking, the dynamics of our family, et cetera. So we're looking into our options and I, I've kind of come to the conclusion that the birth control pill is, is not quite biblical. I mean, it seems like once the sperm and egg come together, life is already starting to happen and now you're preventing it from implanting. So I went off of that months and months and months ago, but... I mean, I feel like I'm rolling the dice every month here. So, love to look into vasectomies. But I was wondering what your thoughts are on that. You know, are vasectomies fair game since technically you're not even letting a sperm meet an egg in that instance? You know, um, yeah. would just love your thoughts, Michael. Thanks. Well, certain forms of contraception do not merely uh, prevent the implantation of a sperm and an egg that have come together to create a new person, but just prevent ovulation. That's probably the dominant form of contraception anyway. In, in the dominant forms of contraception, whether you're talking about from the men or from the ladies, uh, it's, it's the contraception prevents this sperm and the egg from meeting. So your bioethical concern here that the, the primary problem with contraception, as opposed to forms of abortion and abortifacient drugs, is that you're preventing a, a fertilized egg from implanting, that's not quite it. It often starts earlier. It's still wrong but it's, it's not wrong because you're ending a human life. It's wrong because you're supposed to be open to life. Three kids, that's great. I can't, I can't wait till I get three kids, God willing. But come on, keep going. Why, 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 why stop? Three? I, my, the only real envy that I I feel is, is, I was talking to another friend of mine who feels the same way, is for people who have just a billion kids. Because it's great. It seems great. Yeah, you don't sleep. Yeah, it's definitely harder on the, the wife. But then, you know, you look someday and you got all these kids and all these grandkids and it seems really, really nice. So be open to life. You say it's expensive. It is expensive. I'm not downplaying that. But in terms of investments, in terms of any way you can use your money, a kid seems like a pretty good investment. It seems more important than probably anything else you're spending your money on. Beyond food to keep you alive and shelter to keep you warm those are pretty necessary. The rest of it is not better than another kid. And then in terms of the vasectomies, there's a reason that men don't go bragging about their vasectomies. There's a reason that men don't have vasectomy parties, unless there's some weird libs in Brooklyn or something, is because men feel that it's kind of emasculating. Men feel that it's kind of, if not shameful, then something they don't want to write home about. And I think for good reason. You know, it's not quite the same as just castrating a guy, but it kind of looks the same. It, it makes a man feel that he's lost something of his potency. And so I wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do, I think it's wrong. Just don't, just don't do it. I know a lot of people have done it. A lot of people have, probably most people today, practice some form of contraception. But I don't know, come on. You got a limited time on this earth. Be fruitful and multiply. Have, kids are great. Have more kids. Next question. Hi Michael, it's Elise again. I have a question for you regarding yoga. I have noticed that a lot of the parishes in my diocese are now offering a rosary yoga class and um, it's kind of popping up everywhere. Uh, My parish isn't doing it but I wondered if you had any suggestions about um, if I should say anything. Uh, I feel like as a Catholic this is really disturbing trend. Um, I'm not sure if other areas are noticing this, but um, I'm not really sure what I can do as someone who's not a member of those parishes or if I should do anything, but maybe just speak to the people that have brought this up to me. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and thank you so much. Are those churches that you're talking about, are those parishes also hosting uh, Catholic hages to Mecca? Are they also, are those parishes hosting the Catholic uh, jihad? Are they hosting the carrot, the the Catholic, rather, sacrifice of goat demons to the uh, Greek and Roman gods? Are they also doing that? Why? These things don't go together. Yoga is a Hindu ritual. It's a Hindu religious ritual. It is not Christian. It is not monotheistic. It is not at all compatible with Christianity. I know a lot of Christians go to yoga classes, and they say, well, I just, I like it because it stretches my body out, and it makes me feel good, and okay, that's what, you can do Pilates. You can go stretching. You can go to a gym. Not suggesting that, but yoga is not purely a physical exercise. Yoga is a spiritual ritual. It's a religious ritual. That's why you do the ohms and you salute the sun and you do all and and depending on how hippy dippy your yoga teacher gets, you 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 engage in explicit religious rituals. So, if if you're going to engage in religious rituals and you really love yoga and it's your favorite thing, then then just admit that you're not interested in practicing Christianity. You are interested in practicing another religion, probably Hinduism or Buddhism. And then you're going to go do that. At least be honest with yourself. But but don't pretend that this sort of syncretic religious practice is Catholic. because It's not. It's not. They're just not. It would be just as crazy as saying, I'm going to go on a Catholic jihad. I guess we had some of those. It was called the Crusades. But it's different than jihad. Okay, it's just different. You wouldn't say, I'm, I'm a Catholic Muslim. I'm a I'm a I'm a Catholic Buddhist. You're not. You can't. You that violates the law of non-contradiction. Those religions make mutually exclusive claims, and you've got to pick one. You certainly don't want to be lukewarm. If you are Christian, you might you might have read uh, what our Lord tells us about about being lukewarm in the scriptures. Not great. All right. Let's take one on paper before we get to the member block. From Christine. Dear Michael Knowles. Do you have any suggestions on where a young woman can meet a nice Christian conservative man? I tend not to frequent bars very often. That's probably good. Instead, I prefer to attend church, the gun range, and the grocery store. Be still my beating heart. I'm off the market, but you sound great. I'm 30 years old. I feel like an old maid. You're not an old maid. I unfortunately work from home. I frequent the office as much as possible. But unfortunately, not many of my colleagues like to work in person. It's frustrating. Thank you for all that you do. it's not a huge problem. And these days, in the old days, if you weren't married by 30, that was a a huge issue socially. These days, if you get married before 35, you're like a child bride. That's just, the culture has changed in very strange ways. But I I sympathize with your problem. It's hard to meet people, especially these days as we're increasingly living in virtual reality in the metaverse and we don't actually meet people in public. So I I would be a little more uh, intentional about it. I'm not totally opposed to the dating apps. I've never been on them. I kind of missed that era. But I'm not, I'm not totally opposed to it uh, in principle. I know people who have met their spouses on, on dating apps, and that's kind of the way people date these days. So I'd, I'd consider that at least. And then you could do it the old-fashioned way, which is to have your friends and family set you up. Maybe ask your coworkers to set you up. And it can be a little embarrassing to say, hey, Sheila, you know any good guys? You know anyone that I could, hey, cousin Jim? Do you have any buddies that you think I should go on a date with? You, you know, you. I wouldn't just wait around forever for a man, to, you know, to come in riding on a white horse, knight in shining armor, and sweep you off your feet. If ever that were the norm, it certainly isn't today. So you, you'll have to be a little bit more intentional. But I wouldn't lose hope. You're, you're Certainly by the standards of our culture, you're doing just fine. You, you still have plenty of time. You just have to get a little more intentional about it. Okay, the rest of the show continues now. We've got a lot. It's Fake Headline Friday. I need your help in in... Uh, sussing out which are the four real headlines, which is the fake headline. And also, a buddy of mine is coming on the show very briefly to talk about his new movie that's coming out because Greg Perot is the star of the new Left Behind movie. And Greg Perot, well, he's got a lot of great credits. So I'll wait until the member block, but head on over the movie uh premieres this weekend. It's going to be a huge smash. If you're not a member already, go to dailywire.com slash Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.